0: Got to get to work, because we've got a lot to do. Revelation chapter 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're in our study of Revelation, which we're calling Live Ready. Live Ready. So if you have your phones or you have your Bible, please turn there. If you don't have a Bible or a phone and you like to use one, look under the seat in front of you, um, which is not the case for those of you seated on the front row. You might reach underneath there. If you need one, you don't own one, that's yours to keep. We love you and want you to have that. Okay, um, we are talking about unanswered questions, unanswered questions, something we don't talk a lot about in church, and um, I'm not sure why. I have questions. I, I have questions. Can you relate? Do, do any of you have unanswered questions for God? Any unanswered questions? In your life? Get your hands up. Let's just see. I just want you to be encouraged as you look around. If you do, you are in the right place God can it 's okay to have unanswered questions i'm not going to come to church until all I get get my my questions answered you'll never come i'm not going to come to Jesus until I get all my questions answered you'll never come. This is the place He is the God that can handle unanswered questions we're going to take a look at unanswered questions and And as importantly, what we do with our unanswered questions because they can keep us up at night. They can cause us to press into God, press into his word, cry out uh, uh, to his spirit, "Um, Lord, show me. They can eat us up too. And so we want to look at uh, unanswered questions because too often... They can do the worst thing of all, which is stand in between us and a closer love relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're looking at this morning. So we're going to read the passage. We're going to read the chapter. It's a short one. I'm going to point out a couple of things, and then we're going to spend all the rest of our time looking at unanswered questions. Okay, 10-1. Let's go. John writes, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. Okay, just hit the pause button real real quick. People often say, okay, this must be Jesus. No, it's not. It's not. And, and the reason we know that is that in the original Greek, you see right in the beginning where it says another, well, in the Greek, they have a, a word for another of the same kind and another of a different kind. And this is the word, another of the same or similar kind. So when Jesus shows up and he will, you won't need to ask, is this Jesus? Okay. Um, He won't leave any unanswered questions about that. So verse two, He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. Do not write it down. Okay. Did you see that? Did you see that? Now, this is important because God wants John to write down the fact that he's not telling us everything. God could have said to John, okay, what you just heard, don't don't mention it. But what he tells John is you heard something, it's important, in the vast scheme of things, but I want my people who read this to know that there is something that they don't know. I want you to write that something was said and they don't need to know what it is right now. Now, I grew up with three sisters. This happened to me all the time because they would get together, they whispered. And I was convinced they were dissing on me. Can't be sure. God is not dissing on you. We know this, that what we don't know here is because he loves us. And because probably if we knew, we couldn't handle that truth right now, right now. So let's, let's go on. Let's go on. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. Okay, from here out, you're going to start seeing things unfold, all the delay that we saw, all the waiting, all the silence, it's coming to a head new creation god is 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 culminating the end the end here in the beginning but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel the mystery of god get that the mystery of god would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go take the scroll that is opened in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the scroll, please. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Okay, so John, just real quick, goes to the angel he's told to, take the scroll and eat it. Eat the written word of God. Seems strange. This is the difference between getting into the word, right? We're going to read some Bible, right? It's the difference between getting into the word and having the word get into you and me, where we are desperate for it, where it becomes our food, our nourishment, as essential for us on a daily basis, as, as our breath we need time in God's word. We need it not to just get in our minds, but to get into all of us, to eat it, to make it our food. And then what happens? We prophesy. And we're going to get into that uh, on another, another week. But um, we speak the truth of God. Um, and uh, it says it, it was sweet in my mouth, um, but became it, it upset my stomach because it's about all nations and tribes and tongues, all people, including ourselves. And it's sweet because God wants us home and he has such a great plan for us to prepare us for new life as we talked about in our last series, new creation, new heavens, new earth. Life as he created it to be. But it is also upsetting because there are many people who will not choose that who will reject him and and so and so it has it's bittersweet and I want it to be sweet for you I want it to be sweet for you so let's go on um, we see two things in this passage that we don't often talk about in in church the mystery of God the angel said, right? The mystery of God, and that we are supposed to have some unanswered questions. If this does anything, it says, there is something to be known that is not important for you to know. We're not to have all the info. We're not to have all the answers, this is a place that God is the God that 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 welcomes unanswered questions. And, and for some Christians in general, and, and pastors in particular, this, this is a difficult concept because they think, we know Jesus Christ, we're supposed to have all the answers. You're, it's your job to be, um, to be up here. You're supposed to have all the answers, really? For those of you who know me more than three seconds long, you know I don't but we have some and we cling with all our might to the answer that we do have, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know why this should freak us out, that there is a mystery to God, really. I mean, men, let's, let, let's you and I talk. After decades and decades of marriage, do we ever fully grasp? The beauty and complexity of these beautiful creatures that are our wives. Some of you go, yeah, yeah, I get women. Really? Explain your life. Really? Now, if that is true of our wives, if that is true of our husbands, you're going, amen, brother. I can't. How much more true of... God. How much more true of God. If we could fully grasp the hugeness, the intricacy, the the infinite nature of God in our mortal, limited, often stupid selves, God would neither be infinite nor worthy of worship we will spend eternity in wonderment, learning the depths and of knowledge and love and strength and holiness and power. And yet so many of us live as if we have all the answers. Now, just, just so that our legalistic friends don't like throw a clot or have a stroke or something, let me say, yes, Jesus is the revelation of God. Yes, God has given us his revelation in his word. Yes, we have everything in his word and in his son to know him, everything necessary to be rescued, to come to him. Yes, yes, all creation testifies as we sang. But no, none of us has all the answers. We can't grasp all of it. Don't look so surprised. You and I can't even find the right lid to fit on the Tupperware in the first try, right? How many of you are washing a lid that never made it into the fridge because it was the wrong one? Kelly, amen, brother. All right. we got to go through this with, with a level of humility. I love how Jonathan Martin says it. He says, we all know that we don't know everything, particularly when tragedy strikes. When disaster befalls us, a child or a mother or a father dies unexpectedly. Some variation of the question of why God heals some and doesn't heal others, why God answers this prayer this way and doesn't answer others comes up all the time for us. I believe that anything good God does to interrupt the course of history with his good future is a marker. (coughs) Excuse me of what's to come when creation is restored. But this comes for some and does not for others. I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes we're just not supposed to. Every cancer diagnosis or other thing, every funeral, there are some who just want to embarrass the faith by pretending to know that which we don't know. Sometimes we just need to know, I know there is a God and I know his name is Jesus. I know there is a heavenly father. I know there is a spirit. I know that he is here And I know that he won't leave us alone. But why did this happen? I don't know. But he's enough. In all my I don't knows. Because I know him. And I trust him. That's ultimately where we want to get to. With everything. Everything. The more I know about Jesus Christ through his word, through his relationship with him, through everything, the more I know. I don't know. I don't know. Now, I'm not talking about one day we're going to find out that Jesus is a poodle or a glowing amoeba. but no, not like that. But he's that big. He's that wonderful. He's that glorious. He's that perfect. He's that holy. He's that unimaginable, and the Apostle Paul, the most brilliant theologian besides Jesus that ever lived, I would submit, would agree in Romans 11, 33. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of our God. How unsearchable, unsearchable, unfathomable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways, how mysterious, how undiscoverable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who has given Him a gift that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. He's saying, get caught up in the mystery of God, in the discovery of more, because there's always more. Now it'll always be consistent with what He has revealed, but there's always more. There's always more. For those of you who are bored with your faith, I submit to you, there's just so much more about him and his glorious plan and, and who he is, his nature and character. And that's what we try to press in on every week, every moment, every day. Part of following Jesus Christ is not shrink-wrapping God into a small package and putting Him in a box that we can manage and feel comfortable with. Part of following God, part of giving our lives to Jesus is knowing that He's so much more and being captured by that and wooed by that. Not, well, I don't have all my questions answered, so I ain't coming as if we were going to interview God and see if he's worthy of our surrender, of opening ourselves up to his love. Still don't believe me maybe, um, think about God creating everything out of nothing. Think about the virgin birth. Think about Jesus actually becoming our sin. Think about the mystery of what actually happened on the cross when Jesus was was tortured and killed in our place. What happened physically, spiritually, in the Trinity when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That defies easy explanation. And, and, And yet is something that we Except Yes, here's something. Great favorite verse, right? I know, I know that God works all things together for the good, for those who, who love him and are called according to his purpose. But how he does that, when he does that, how he takes all of the relationships, all of the variables, all of the potential outcomes and weaves them together for his glory and our joy and our good... And whether he does that right now in a way that I can see, or whether he's going to do that on this side of glory or the other, none of us really, really know. But we do know that he does it. We do know that he does it. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 3.12, 13.12 rather. For now we see in a mirror dimly, like a blurred reflection, a, but then face to face when Jesus comes either at our last breath or he returns to earth and, 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 and we're taken up with him, we'll see him face to face. Now I know in part, Paul says, then I shall know and understand fully even as I am fully known by God. But that time is not right now. What are your unanswered questions? Are they causing you to press into God, to press into Jesus Christ? Or are your unanswered questions causing you to run from God, run from Jesus? Um, Sometimes our unanswered questions can do many things, some good and some bad. We're going to look at a few of both. Sometimes our unanswered questions can force us to do what we don't want to do. You know what that is? Walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we learn of this in the scripture very early on, Genesis 12. God is calling to Abraham, whose name was then Abram. And in the beginning of the 12th chapter, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, go from your home, where your family lives, everything you're familiar with, and your father's house, to the land that I'm going to show you later. Now, when we get into Hebrews, I love how it spells it out. Hebrews chapter 11, it fleshes this out in beautiful detail. This is what God is calling us for. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. This is the part. Get this. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Isn't that beautiful? I love how Tony Campolo says that here's this old man with a with a with a walker, maybe, and all his all his friends and family who've lived with him forever. Where are you going, Abe? Eh? I don't know. When are you gonna get there? I don't know. What's it gonna look like? I don't know. Why are you going? Because God is leading me. And he'll show me when he's good. And ready. Notice what Abraham did not say in response. He didn't say, All right, God, show me what you got in mind. And if I like it, I might go. Um, make sure it's not humid because you know I don't do humid. I know how you're fond of sending those YWAM kids to Africa. Ain't doing Africa, okay? And I got to have coffee, good coffee, place with good coffee, okay? No, Abraham didn't have to know the details because he knew three things. He knew God loved him. He knew God was with him. And he knew God knew where he was taking him. And so he didn't have to know details because he knew God. And he walked by faith. Huge, huge implications, not only for seniors that are graduating, whether from high school or college, but for all of us who are on a walk of faith. Walk of faith. That should be a great comfort to us. So not knowing And having unanswered questions can cause us to walk by faith or it can cause us to be paralyzed and not walk at all. The questions that we have so often can be that we want facts, we want details, so we won't have to walk by faith. When walking by faith is exactly what God wants. Exactly what God wants. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, even though we can't see him. And that he rewards those who seek him. How? When? Well, with, with himself. But all the beautiful ways, we don't know. So do we let the unanswered questions keep us on the spiritual couch or do we cause us to respond with great faith and say, God, you are leading here. I'm going. I don't know what here looks like. It might be deeper into a painful marriage. It might be education. It might be your work. It might be your relationship with your kids. It might be a new calling. It might be... I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I believe you're in it. And that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Sometimes we want proof, we want details of how God is going to do this, when God has do this, so that we don't have to trust his love, his presence, his grace, his mercy. And that's exactly what he's calling us to. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, very short verse. I'd love for us to say it together. If you could bring that up for us, Josh, the 2 Corinthians. Yeah, here we go. Read this with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Do it again. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, we're going to do a Bible memorization. Take that down if you would. Let's do it again. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Look at you grow. That's the whole verse. We walk by faith, not by sight. Do we? Do we? Because that's where the magic happens. That's where the miracle happens. That's where trusting God happens when we set our foot down in complete trust complete trust, not by what we can see, but by what we know in our hearts by faith, knowing God. And we have to walk by faith because the Bible intentionally doesn't tell us some things. And I am not saying that the truth of God is not here, but it intentionally, it does not tell us by name whom to marry. It does not tell us specifically what to major in, what job to go to, what city to dwell in. It it doesn't tell us those types of things so that we might walk by faith and trust wholly and entirely in the God who knows, who is already in our future, prepared it for us. And is leading us into that. You and I are kind of on a need-to-know basis, right? And some things we do not need to know. But we need to know Him. I can relate to this, and maybe you can. When our kids were young, actually, just Tommy before Quincy was, uh, and she's here with us. Holla for your girl. Ah! Okay. Um, she, when Tommy was young, we had some awful financial problems. Um, Turnarounds, uh, just reversals. Um, He was a little boy. He did not need to know how close we were to losing our house. He needed to know that we were struggling and that we trusted God and that we knew that God loved us. And if we trust and obeyed, he would come through, he would provide. But he didn't need to know the specifics. We are on a need to know basis and we need to know him, but sometimes we don't need to know the details and provision is a good way to take a look at it. Let's start there. Philippians 419 says, and my God shall supply all your needs, every need of yours, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But we want to know how. You're going to do this. We want to know when you're going to do this. What kind of provision. And God says, I will. And we want the details. And maybe he doesn't always give us the details. Because in our brokenness, we might be tempted to trust in the provision rather than the promise of the provider. God gets our hearts right where he wants them to be so that we realize that the blesser is greater than his blessings, that the provider is greater than his provision. We wanna know. We wanna know the details more than we wanna know the God who holds them all and us in his care, in his grace. And sometimes, sometimes we have these deep spiritual questions. We have these unanswered questions when really they're not unanswered questions. They're not deep spiritual questions. Why did I get diagnosed with lung cancer? Well, because you suck down four packs and no filter camels every single day for 45 years. I think I'm under attack, spiritual attack, because I got a letter From my, uh, Jimmy uh, Welkin, I went to the Lake City Health Fair last, last week. And I find out that my cholesterol is higher than the price of gas in Gunnison. I think I'm under spiritual attack. No, I'm not. It's that I like bacon and Ben and Jerry's more than I like being healthy. And I'm sedentary when I should be moving and active. I don't have unanswered questions there. I'm hiding, Bill. I think I have a spiritual unanswered question. I don't know why I have a 0.2 GPA. That's not an unanswered question. You answered that question every time you decided not to go to class. Every time you decided that playing was more important than homework, that you weren't going to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity to, to become more of what God created you to be. Sometimes we use our unanswered questions as a, as a way to hide. Um, and we're going to skip that part because it's just a rant. No, it is. It is. And you'll get it because um, you always do, but not today. Not just in provision. How about fear? How about fear? You know, that's... I'm going to talk to believers for a second. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ... Um, Sometimes we use our unanswered questions to keep us from responding to the truth that we already know. Maybe we're afraid. And, And if we were honest, all of us can relate to that. Maybe there's a situation in your marriage. Maybe there's a situation in your family, with your work, with money, with a health challenge, with your future. And... And truth be told, you're, you're afraid. Because you don't know. You don't know what the next step is. You don't know how this is going to play out. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how many have heard the 23rd Psalm? Hands up. You ever heard it? How, how many times? Golly, you can't even count. How young were you when you first heard it? And it told us this deep truth. Psalm 23, the first part of verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I go through, even if I were to face the unfaceable, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Anything that scares me, anything that causes me anxiety. I don't need to know how severe the threat is. I don't need to know how long I'm going to be there. I don't need to know how much suffering might be involved. I don't need to know how I'm going to get out. All I need to know is you are with me and that Is enough. I don't need to know all these other things that I and so many other people search for to have peace. All I need to know is you are with me. This is kindergarten theology. And yet sometimes you and I use our unanswered questions to keep from responding to the truth that we already know. Come on Sunday, tell me something new. Tell me something I've never heard before. Why? So that we can add to the list of things we already know and don't do anyway. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with knowledge. I'm just saying, we already know enough. Most of us to live a level of faithfulness and God activity, and God glorification, and joy, and and being right where God wants us to do that. To to do that. But we want to hear something cool, something new, something fresh. Here's something fresh. Wherever you're going through. Whatever it is, is God enough for you? Because he wants to be, he can be, and he will be if we don't allow our unanswered questions to get in the way. Now, not all of us are are followers of Jesus Christ. You are so welcome here if you're not. Great place to find out about him. We talk about him incessantly. That's what we do. If you're coming here to learn 10 steps to being a great father, no. (laughs) We're going to talk about knowing Jesus Christ because that's how you do it. You want to be successful at your work? Well, you go to another church to find out all these things, to check these boxes. Know Jesus Christ. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. So if if you're not, sometimes um, we can let our unanswered questions stand between um, us and a relationship with Jesus. God, I just have—I I just have some questions, and um, if you don't answer these questions, I can't come to you. Really? Only in relationship with the God who made you. I hope they weren't really just offended. Um, Only in relationship with the God who made you can you find the answer. The answer is Jesus. And sometimes we get to the point where we have this hot button issue. And we want God to answer it in the way that we want. That fits our lifestyle, that fits our preferences, that fits, right? God, if you answer this in the right way, I'm yours. And if not, I'm not. Well, you can't have answers until you come to the answer. Come home first. We can work all that other stuff out because you'll never get all your questions answered, your boxes checked. Know that Jesus is Lord. Know that he came to rescue you. Know that you can come home and work on those questions. And there are some that you're just going to have to ask when we get home. All right, we're going to land the plane. Um, whether you have answers or not, Jesus is enough. Whatever your unanswered question is, the answer is in Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I can't believe in a God who allows suffering and poverty. God asks us, I can't believe in a people who believe in me who can allow suffering and poverty. He is the answer, even if your question is, who is God? Question is not, do we have unanswered questions? We do. And sometimes they're about the past. Why did God allow this to happen? I don't know. I don't know. But I know him. And I know he said this in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. This is where all this is headed. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his temple, his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is where God is taking it. This is where he wants to take you. Is Jesus enough? If you know the gospel, you know that Jesus came to reverse the curse on creation and on me and on you because of his work on the cross and because he rose again to a new life. He came to reverse the curse and he wants to start with you. Let him be enough. Let's pray. Lord, we we come before you trying to be as honest as we can. And um, Lord, we want to be honest and say that for every time that we've let our unanswered questions cause us to walk by faith, we've also allowed them to paralyze us and to keep us on the the spiritual couch. Lord, give us forgiveness for those times. Lord, give us boldness to walk in faith like Abraham did because we know you. Lord, we confess that, that we haven't always trusted you. Lord, we confess that sometimes we've wanted answers and details more than we've wanted you. Lord, we we don't want to hide behind our unanswered questions. And Lord, for many of us, um, we've allowed our unanswered questions to cause us to run from you rather than to run to you. And Lord, if we know you and we love you and we trust you, May that be enough. May you be enough. In Jesus' name, amen.